0: Okay, we're continuing the book of judges chapter number 16. We went through most of 15 last week on this fella called Samson. Quite a quite a man, quite a man, an extraordinary character, only one really that's anything like it in the Bible. Last week we watched him uh, take the jawbone of an ass and kill a thousand men. And throw in two piles. <laughs> and so we talked about the fact that he touched the dead lion and also a jawbone of an ass. He touched two, which he was not supposed to do. He wasn't supposed to touch anything that was dead. But... I think when we see that happen, he takes the jawbone of an ass and kills a thousand men. It's obviously, he it's said the Spirit of the Lord was with him. And so God wasn't saying, you touch that, I'm going to get you now. That's not how God works. Uh, God was very patient with him. And, and it's a good thing, because took a lot of patience <laughs> with Samson. And we, just a little thing that we'll look at here. uh Verse 16 of chapter 15, before we go on... Uh. Samson said with the jawbone of an ass heaps upon heaps. The jaw of an ass have I slain a thousand men. Came to pass when he made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called the place Ramah Lehi. And when he was sore of thirst he called on the Lord said thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised and God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw and the water came out. When he had drunk, his spirit came again, he revived therefore, he called the name Ekakorah, which is in Lehi unto this day and he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years that's one of those strange things in the King James Bible that comes up once in a while it's pretty clear that the spring didn't come out of the jawbone of the ass although it appears to say that here but he's talking about the place he's up on top of the rock and God cracked uh, the rock and gave him water to drink and so uh, in the King James sometimes they try very hard to stay as close as they can to the original language and sometimes they have a problem with it so that's don't worry about that the rock was what cracked and the water came out. Now we come to chapter 16. We're looking at Samson here uh, and what kind of man he was and it says that the spirit moved him and that's really what we want to think about tonight. The spirit moved Samson and that was the source of of his great strength, and it was extraordinary strength too. So let's go on now, chapter sixteen, and get get another look. And uh, the Bible doesn't paint fancy pictures; it just says it like it is. This is what happened, and uh, doesn't try to cover things up. So here is what happened, and. Uh, it's not covered up at all chapter 16 verse 1 then went samson to gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her now everybody a lot of people have tried to explain that away they said well you know that's the only people that ran uh Motels or hotels, if you want to call them that, uh, were harlots back then. Well, it may be true, but he went into the harlot. I says, no, you can't explain it away. That's just what it says, and and uh, it's something. Of course, we know he shouldn't have done that. So you got to think about Samson a little. What kind of a guy is he? Hmm. What kind of a person is he? And he's he's really hard to to put a tag on. Is he naive? Is he sometimes, does he appear to be naive? Uh, that is maybe a little simple. Uh, maybe he doesn't quite get it. Uh, unsophisticated. Some people might say he's naive. Um... I don't think so. It says in there that he judged Israel for 20 years. And uh, we have the first incident that turns into the job of an ass where he kills a thousand men. And then there's probably 20 years that we don't know anything. Until we come to chapter 16. And so the point is he did a lot of things that aren't recorded. Uh, and so we don't want to say he's simple-minded, naive, he doesn't get life. Uh, but we going to have to say that he's got a problem with the ladies. And I would say he's obsessed uh, by women. And uh, that's not... A thing that he should be. Alright, so here we go. He's, won- he's gone to Gaza, down along the Mediterranean Sea the Philistines have five major cities and the largest one is Gaza. And you still hear Gaza today in the news you hear about the city of Gaza Uh, Gaza Strip pretty famous piece of property still call that after all these years well he goes to the main city the capital city of Gaza verse 2 and was told the Gazites saying Samson has come thither and they compassed him in laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night saying in the morning when it is day we shall kill him and Samson lay till midnight, he rose at midnight, took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, carried them to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. <laughs> he's a clown. I mean, he's, he does funny things. And so they locked the place up, so he took the place with them. He pulled the Gates now. Gaza is the capital city, and in those days, these walled cities were what it was all about. And the strength of a city was considered by the gate, not the wall, but the gate. And the gate of cities where all the business is done. So the gate was a big deal. And so you're talking about things that are probably bigger than telephone. Poles in the ground holding up a big huge gate made of iron and a great big bar crossed it. What does it weigh? It weighs more than a ton I would think. Easy. Easy, Easily weigh more than a ton. It's meant to hold armies out for heaven's sake. But it can't hold him in. Uh, And uh, it doesn't say exactly where he dumped it off. But Hebron is 40 miles from Gaza. So <laughs> he grabs the gate and pulls a post out of the ground. That's amazing. I mean, there's some posts down in our, our little property down there from Christmas trees. I tried to pull them out the other day, I couldn't get them out. And they're this big, and they're in a the foot. And I couldn't get him out. He pulled two posts of the city out of the ground. I mean, I can't imagine what kind of power it would take to do that. But it's a tremendous display of strength. And then after he pulled him out, he carried it on his shoulders and walked away with him. Just took him away. And we don't know if he went all 40 miles or not. I don't care if he went two miles. If you carry a ton, two miles, all right, it's a a stunning feat. And uh, they thought they had him, and obviously they didn't. (laughs) So he's a character. I mean, he could have just pushed it over and walked over, and he could have done anything he wanted, but he carried it away. Can you imagine them watching him? You know, it's midnight, there goes the gate, Where's he going with it? I don't know, but he carried it right out of sight. He's gone. The gate's gone. Everything's gone. And he said, I'll bet you you'll have more trouble getting it back than I had taking it out. So he's, he's a character. He certainly uh, has unique ideas, doesn't he? He has unique ideas. He's able to think of things that you'd never think of. Right now we come... To the heart of the story, one of the famous love stories, if you will, of all time, Samson and Delilah. All right, and This is going to be where we really get down to the nitty gritty. Here we go. Verse 4. Came to pass afterwards, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Sorek is a river that runs into the Mediterranean Sea, and in that river valley, he finds the lady called Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him and we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth and where thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green wisps that were never dried, then I shall be weak and be as another man. (laughs) And so, here's the thing about the spirit-moved man. They look at Samson, and it just doesn't make sense. Now, if he was ten feet tall... Like Goliath. If his arms are as big as tree trunks and his legs too, and if he towered over everybody, you wouldn't go up to him and say, Hey, what's the secret of your great strength? Because you'd expect him to be strong. But he's just normal. He looks normal. He doesn't look like a Superman. And you look at him and you say, It doesn't make sense. He pulled the whole gate of the city out and carried it away. And he, he doesn't look like he has that kind of strength. And so there's a secret. And they said somewhere he's got a secret. And we'd like to know the secret of his great strength. The man of God who is spirit moved has something about him that you can't define. The spirit of God is—it makes people like you can't explain them. And there's always somebody trying to explain everything. Particularly in the Christian world. They're going to tell you all about how to be spirit filled. And Samson is the example here of the spirit filled man. And, and they can't figure him out. Doesn't make sense. There's something about him that's mysterious. Now I said before that... Uh, uh, the, Jesus said that the wind blows where it will. And you can't tell whence it came from or where it's going, and so is everyone born of the Spirit. Or there is something mysterious, unexplainable about God in the life When God comes into a person's life and gives them his strength, uh, then uh, gives us strength to do what he wants us to do, you can't always explain it. You can't define it. You can't say, all right, here's the magic formula. We'll write it down. Here's your formula. Now you can do it too. It doesn't work like that. So there's something about him that's very mysterious. And the Spirit of the Lord is like that. You can't explain always what God does. matter of fact, I think most of the time you can't explain what God does. You can't define the power that he puts in people. God's not one where you can say, here's a box, God, and I get in the box. God doesn't go in the box can't say we're drawing a line now God follow our line he won't do it and so the spirit filled person has something about him that's mysterious and when we are out in the world living in this world and take a world like this today in particular you're out there there's got to be something different about you that people aren't always going to understand you can't just say well he's happy There's more to it than that. We hope you are happy, and when you're out there, we hope you're able to show that. But that's not the end of it. You say, well, he's happy, he must be a Christian. There's more than that. I remember my father always joked around and fooled around. this guy, after my father was dead, I met this guy. He said, I knew your father years ago, he said. And he was always joking around, and I thought he was not a very substantial man because all he ever did was joke. He said, and then I got to know him and we worked on a project together and he was quite substantial, he said. (laughs) My father would have loved to hear that. (laughs) He would have got a laugh out of being called substantial. Point was, there's something about him that you can't always explain. And if we're going to live in a world out there and we're going to entice people to be Christians by our lifestyle. There's got to be something about us that's different, that's unexplainable. We got to be looking at it, and sooner or later they got to come and say, what is there about you? What is there about that person? Why can't we figure that person out? And so they come, what's his secret? He must have a secret. And of course they're thinking he's got a... a Charm or something that he wears, that's how they would think the Philistines, because they're all about uh, superstition. Most false religions are based on superstitious ideas. And theirs theirs was very much that. They were all full of superstition. So they think he's got some kind of secret thing he wears around his neck or something like that. But it's not. It's the power of God inside of him. And nobody can quite define it. And so they say to Delilah, we'll pay you big money. And as they offered her a lot of money, big money, if you find out the secret of his strength. So she says to him, we kind of like to know, I'd like to know. He said, if you tie me with seven green uh, widths or uh, r- new rope, uh, seven new ropes, he said, then I'll be weak. No, he didn't say that. I'll be weak like everybody else, he says. He's got a little and see, and that's the thing. He's different from everybody else. And he said, I'll be like the rest of you. If that's what you want. And uh, so... He falls asleep. Verse 8. When the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green whisks, which had not been dried, she bound him with them. And there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he break the whisks, as a thread of toe is broken when it touches the fire. So it's like nothing. It's not like he had to struggle and go... Mm. He just moved his arms and they all just were like ashes. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said to Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherein thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then I shall be weak and be as another man. And of course, new ropes never occupied is no sweat on them. And the sweat was a sign of the curse. So he says, If you use new ropes that'll get me that'll get me Delilah therefore took the new rope and bound him therewith and said on them the Philistines be upon these Samson there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber and he break them off like his arms like a threat <laughs> so there's a couple things you ought to start happening now well, first of all why are you trying to tie me up every time I turn around I think you'd ask that wouldn't you you think he'd do save him, but one thing about Samson we already know—he loves a riddle, doesn't he? He loves a riddle, and he had the riddle: uh, 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 out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. That he used before and now it's kind of like a little game like a little riddle he doesn't tell her she ties him up and he wakes up and flexes his arms and all the ropes turn into thread and it's no big deal and these guys are right inside the house waiting so you'd think he'd say I don't trust you anymore Delilah Right? you'd think he would say that And uh, and that's what always makes me say, what is there about him that he doesn't say that? Why doesn't he say, hey, what are you trying to do to me? Well, I think part of it is he thought, uh, they can't do anything to me. I can kill a lion with my bare hands. I tore down a whole gate of a city, walked away with it. I can do whatever I want. I don't care if there's a hundred of them in there. I killed a thousand of them. Years ago, I can handle these guys, so he has no fear, uh, but he's still hanging around Delilah, he's still hanging there. Well, let's see what goes on next. Verse 13, Delilah said to Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Let me therewith thou that mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks my head with the web. So she's got a loom, like a loom that you weave on. And uh, you get your thread, and you wind it around together, and you make cloth. He said, If they wind my hair up in the... In the, in the loom, then I'll be weak like other men. Same thing. He always says the same thing. I'll be weak like other men. <coughs> and so, four, 14, she fastened it with a pin. All right, so she weaves his hair. Now, he's never cut his hair and he's 40 years old. So it's pretty long. And what they did was they uh, weaved it into seven um, whatever you'd call it. Uh, he's got it all we, his hair is all wound up into seven ponytails or whatever sticking off his head and hanging way down low. He's never cut his hair in his life. So he's got quite a head of hair and they, she's able to weave it into her loom mm-hmm. and she weaves it into the loom and then when she's done there's a pin and she puts the pin through (laughs) he gives a funny picture his head's wound up in a loom now you'd think he'd wake up wouldn't you (laughs) and I think there's something going on here that it doesn't tell us uh, because why does he keep falling asleep well I think he's more than tired. I'm thinking he's with this lady and she's giving him a little drink along the way. Something puts him to sleep all the time. so sleepy that he doesn't weave his hair in a loom and he doesn't wake up. Now, it doesn't say that. I'm only guessing. But uh, you have to think... How does she? How's she able to do that? And I mean, if my wife pulled my hair, I'd be awake in half a second. You know. Huh. I mean, uh, it, and I think most of us would. If Somebody pulled your hair, you'd wake up, right? Not him. He's sound asleep. I think there's maybe a little more to it than we know there than we're told. Anyway. Verse 14, she fastened it with a pen, said unto him, The Philistines be upon these Samson. And he wakened out to his sleep, went away with the pin and the beam and with the web. So he just got up and shook his head and the loom broke. And there's a beam on the loom that you moved back and forth. And he just, it was attached to his head. So he walked away with it. <laughs> Oh, he's something, isn't he? Mm -hmm. So you'd say to yourself, Samson, you know, what are you doing? Stop. What are you doing? So why does he go back to her? Well, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. First thing in chapter 16, he went to a harlot. And now he's messing around with this other lady. She's not a wife. He, he never married her. He's just a, a woman that he goes and sees. And so he's treading on dangerous ground. He's playing with the world that he's supposed to conquer. They're supposed to conquer the world, not play with it. So what we're supposed to do and uh, he's playing with that world alright so here we go 15 she said of them how can thou say that I love thee when thy heart is not with me thou hast mocked me these three times has not told me where in thy great strength lie it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death she hounded him and hounded him and hounded him and hounded him that's how they got him the last time Right? His wife, the first one he had that the Philistines burned up, his wife uh, hounded him to get the riddle. All right, that's a little warning. Samson, you've been here before, haven't you? So she's going to get this information, and she's going to hound you and hound you. And he should know that if you've had an issue with something once, don't do it again. Of course we all don't do so well with that, do we? <laughs> if you have an issue with something once you never do it again? Eh, not likely. Not likely. Sorry. So here it is came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor on my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb, and if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Well now she says, I got it. I can tell the difference. Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart she sent call for the Lord to fill, saying, "Saying, come at once, for he has showed me all his heart. You wouldn't think he'd fall asleep this time, mm-hmm. right? That's why I think he had a little help with that." Uh, Come up once, for he showed me all his heart. And the lords of the Philistines came under her and brought money in her hand. They're going to pay her big money. And she made him sleep on her knees. And she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. So he has broken the vow. There's another vow, right? The first one was, don't touch anything dead. We're not sure about the drink, but we're only guessing that's why he sleeps all the time. And now, after 40 years, he has cut his hair. That which he was told, don't ever cut your hair. And now his hair has been cut. So he's broken all the vows Particularly the one that made him so unique, outstanding, is his hair hanging down, way down past his waist, probably. And uh, he has now cut his hair. Now this time, she's she's not saying, Samson, the Philistines are here. Samson, the Philistines are here. She said the Philistines be upon these Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. There is the saddest uh, verse in the Bible. One of the terribly sad ones. Says he wist not or he didn't know. Alright. He was unaware unaware that God left him. God left him. And he didn't know it. He said, I'm okay. I do just do what I always do. Go over and knock a few people around. I'm fine. Uh, but God wasn't with him. God abandoned him at that point. Now, there's something for us to really think about. that He didn't know what had happened to him. He said, well, how can God abandon you and you don't know? I told you before that the anointing, he had an anointing. That is, he had something very special. He was anointed by God, given a special ability, and he had counted on it and believed that he always had it. And so he goes and gets the lion because he believes God will give him the power to break the lions in pieces. And he allows himself to be tied and handed over to Philistines because he believes God will give him power over a thousand Philistines. And he goes into Gaza looking for trouble. And I think that's why he went to Gaza. He's always looking to poke these guys for some trouble. And uh, they thought they had him, and he'd tear the gates apart. You can get out, I'll just tear the gates apart, carry him away. Uh, But this time he got up, and I'll do just like I always do. And he was weak like other men. Just what he said has now come back on him. He is weak like other men. What happened to him? What was it? The anointing is hard to get. He had to keep his vows in a lifetime to have that anointing. But now he's lost that anointing. God has abandoned him, and it's the hardest thing to get, and it's the hardest thing to keep. To be anointed, especially serving God, it's hard to keep. If you're going to do God's work, it's hard to keep it. All right. now we can ask the question, did he break his vows? Was that the reason? That's essentially the reason why it happened. All right. But when he broke his vows and touched the lion, that didn't affect him, right? When he grabbed the jawbone of an ass, that didn't affect him, right? right? So why has it come to this point? Why is it cause just his hair? No, it's not just his hair. It's everything in his life. Why is he laying on her lap? Why did he go to Gaza into the harlot's house? Why is he laying on her lap night after night after night when she's trying to tie him up and figure out all his strength and he just thinks it's a fun riddle? He's just plain careless. He's careless. He's not protecting the part of his life that he needs to protect. He's been careless about it. And he has carelessly uh, lived his life doing what he felt like doing. And he got to himself in a position where uh, he broke a vow... That they never would have figured out. They never would have known it. And he hadn't told them. So now he is without power. God has pulled himself away and left him. And that's a bad place to be, my friends. You don't want to be there. Psalm number 51. We have one of the famous psalms written by King David. And David... If you know the background of Psalm 51, it tells you. Uh, David ran off with a guy's wife. And for two years, he really was nothing. He didn't amount to anything. He ran off with a guy's wife, sent her husband into battle, pulled the truth back so that he died, and it was a really bad thing to do. And the prophet finally came and said, what would you do? If somebody had one sheep and they stole the sheep, David said, I'd punish him." And Nathan the prophet said, you, you did it. You're the man. And so David comes to full realization That he has put himself in this position by his own sins and his own carelessness. And he says here in verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Please God, don't take your spirit from me. I pray that all the time. All the time. I pray that prayer all the time you got to have the spirit. Jesus said, uh, without me, you can't do anything. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So I don't dare get in a position where God said, I'm just going to abandon you. If that's the way you want to live, I'm going to abandon you. Where would I be? Where would anybody be if God abandons you? And God abandoned Samson and he didn't know it. And that's the really scary part of it. He thought he was okay. So the possession of a spirit spirit-filled life, being a spirit-filled person is something you can't just say, okay God here I am, give me that anointing and I'll be all set and off I go uh uh, it's something you carefully tend to regularly You do what you need to do to keep the anointing. You ask God not to leave you. Don't take your spirit from me. I need it. And Samson was careless about it. And the thing that's hard to keep, he lost. And he came up in a very bad way because of that. And so the withdrawal of God from a person's life particularly someone who has known the power of God in their life because many times the result of a carelessness we have not lived the kind of life that God wants to bless and Samson is just he's doing everything he shouldn't do now you say, well, if he'd kept his vows, would he been all right? Well, it was. <laughs> this people say to me, well, how far can you go before you fall off a cliff? If you're near the cliff, just get away from the cliff. Don't say, how close can I get before I fall? I had somebody tell me once. i like to get right over there and look. I say, yeah, you keep doing that. We'll see what happens. You know, you're not going to survive if you're always walking on the edge. Get yourself back where you're safe. Walk with God. Stay with Him. And when those things come, you know what your weakness is. When they come and they whisper in your ear and they call you and you get that urge and you got to say, I'm not going to because I can't afford to lose. God out of my life. Now Samson got up and he didn't know. And so they got a hold of him. Verse 21. Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Wow. These guys are rough characters. These are real savage people. And the first thing they do is say, we'll fix it so he never bothers us again. And they take a hot stick and they burn his eyes out. That's what they did. They shove a stick in your eye and burn your eyes out. So, can you imagine that felt good, huh? And here's a man that a thousand people couldn't take him thousand warriors came to get him and they couldn't take him and now they got him and they burn his eyes out. And So they blind him. They start with that. They blind him and then they bind him. It says they put him in fetters of brass. That wasn't normal. Usually they tie you with leather. But, of course, the guy that killed a thousand with a jawbone of an ass said, well, maybe we better be careful with this guy. They put brass fetters on him. And so his feet and hands are in fetters, and they bind him, and then they grind him. He's in a house uh, where they grind grain. And, you know, they'd normally tie an oxen to the thing, and he'd go around and around and grind the grain. they put Samson on there. So now he's bound to a grinding wheel, blind, walking around, grinding grain for the Philistines. That's a long ways down, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a long ways down. When he had her head, his head on Delilah's lap, he didn't know how far down he was going to go. That's a long ways down. What does it come from? It comes from God saying, Okay, Samson, there were things that I was counting on you for, counting on you to deliver these people, and you're right down in there with them counting on you to be a thorn in the side of the Philistines and you keep going over there. You keep doing, it was, instead of getting rid of Philistines, you're down there playing with them. I can't have it. I won't have it. And so I pull the power from you and now he's as low as you can go. And I would say this, that There's something about Samson that we first, we think he's naive. We think, well, doesn't he get it? When people are tying him up with ropes and weaving his hair into the the web. I mean, you think he'd get it, right? And he doesn't get it. You say he's naive. Well... There is something about him I think that's a little bit naive. But now he can see better than he ever saw before. And he couldn't see until they burned his eyes out. Now he sees. Now he grasps what he had and what he lost. Because when you're blind... And with brass fetters tied to a grinding wheel, and that's what you do. You walk around in circles all day grinding uh, grain, and you come a long ways down. And you also got time to think, huh? Time to think. Well, you should have thought before, right? thought before, but I don't think he ever crossed his mind that God would leave him. And I don't think most of us have that idea. Well, God's always going to be here when I need him. Well, are you always there when he needs you? Alright, that's the thing. Are you there when he needs you? And you expect him to be there whenever you need him. What if he needs you? He needs people. That's why he anoints them. With jobs, they have things to do. All right, so I don't doubt that... I don't think after they burn your eyes out with a hot stick that you can cry anymore. But your heart can. And I think there in that prison... His heart just said, oh man, what did I do? I'm so sorry. So, here we go, verse 22. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. A little hint for you. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered themselves together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy the destroyer of our country which slew many of us. Here's a guy that burned your whole crops. He burned your olive trees down with 300 foxes with their tails on fire. He ripped the gates of your cities down. He killed a thousand prime warriors on top of rock with a jawbone of an ass. And we got him now. He's not going to do nothing now. we got him all bound up with brass fetters. And he's blind. And there he is. So our God won. And that's what happens. Unfortunately. Is when we fail to do the things that God wants us to do. It's God's reputation that's at stake. And they looked at him and they said, Look, our God, Dagon, Dagon is half man and half fish. They live along the, the Mediterranean Sea. And so fishing and boating were big things for the Philistines. And, they, and uh, so they made their God to be a big old fish. He's half man and half fish. Dagon, that's who they're proud of. Dagon, their God. And Dagon just beat Jehovah because we got Samson we got Samson and Samson you sure made a mess of this one 25 came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said call for Samson that he may make a sport and they called for Samson out of the prison house and he made them sport they set him between the pillars and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand and stop right there Think about that. He's down in the prison house. And they're in Dagon's temple. It's a big, huge, huge building. And uh, they're in Dagon's temple. And they're getting drunk. That's what they did. And they call, hey, let's get that. Remember that guy who was such a pain in our neck? Let's get him up here and we'll have a little fun with him. Get him up here. So... Samson sitting in the prison blind hears the door open and he hears a voice. I come to get you. It's a boy. It's a little boy. You come to get me? Yeah. yeah." I, we are going over to temple. They sent me down here to get you. There's a little boy come to get Samson. And he takes him, leads him, because he can't see. you got to lead him. And he leads him in. And they said, why do they want me? Well, they want you to make sport. They stand up and, you know, flex your muscles. Do a little dance. They want to make fun of you. Because, of course, you're nothing now. So they like to make fun of you. And, uh... So, there was a time when a thousand warriors couldn't take him. And now a boy comes to take him. He's come a long way down, hasn't he? 26. Samson said to the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. The house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And there on the roof about 3,000 men and women had beheld while Samson made sport. Right, so there's on the roof 3,000. This is a big, huge, huge building and it is set up with pillars as they used to build in those days pillars and pillars all kinds of pillars and they put him in the middle and there's some up in like balconies and they're looking down and there's other people I'm sure all around him and he's, he's uh, flexing his muscles or doing whatever and they're laughing and he heard them mocking his God he heard them mocking his god well what happened in that prison god i'm sorry i'm sorry i sure messed up i made a mess of things and i'm awful sorry you say well samson you did you you messed up everything but in the end Samson prayed, verse 28. Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. So in the end he prays. says, O God, help me, help me now. I got one more chance. You sent me here to destroy Philistines. And now, if I could have that strength back, I got an idea. (laughs) I got a wonderful idea. This boy has put my hands on the pillars, and I know I'm in the middle of the house. I can hear them all around me. I can hear them over top. There's a lot of them up there above me. Turns out to be 3,000 up there. So there's a whole lot more than that in the building. And he prays that prayer. Uh, Samson took hold of the two middle pillars on which the house stood and on which it was borne up, one with his right hand the other with his left hand. He's got to be pushing this way. All right. He, He can't... Pull him this and probably pushing that way, Samson said, "Let me die with the Philistines and he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell on the lords and all the people that were there were in, so the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life, and so he pushed the two main pillars over, and the whole house collapsed one after the other, like like the towers in New York collapsed and just uh, the whole building crashed in and killed uh, several thousand Philistines in a matter of a minute or two. It was an awesome victory, but it killed him when he said he killed more in his dying than he did in his living. To remind you, of somebody else, Jesus Christ killed This says principalities and powers when he died. Rulers he said he destroyed all kinds of evil forces when he died. He had more power in his death than he ever did in his life. And so Samson is a little bit like Christ in that way. When he died that's where the power was. When Jesus died, that was where his power was. His death of Christ uh, showed the power. Now Samson dies and pushes the house down. And uh, an amazing repentance, he repented. And God heard that prayer and said, Okay, Samson, this will cost you your life, but... You're blinded and your life is over, but I'll give you one more chance. And he tore that place apart. And so it's a sad story of a man who repented in the end. Better to repent in the end than not to repent at all, right? Mm -hmm. Most famous example of that, thief on a cross, right? Right? last minute he's going to die any time now and he prays Lord remember me and he makes it Jesus said you're going to heaven with me in a few minutes Samson too. God said okay Samson I anointed you to do this I pulled the anointing from you when you ignored me just too much but now I'll give it back to you And so he gave him back his anointing. He tore the house down. And it must have been an awful mess. Just bodies, hundreds of bodies all over, crushed and smashed by all these pillars that fell down. And he tore down the Philistine stronghold. He tore down the house of Dagon. Remember they said... uh, Uh, They were mocking his God and saying, Our God Dagon is something. No, Dagon's not so hot anymore, is he? Once, Once old Samson knocked the house down. So the last postscript 31 and his brethren and all the house of his father came down took him and brought him up buried him between Zorah and Eshtilah in the burying place of Manoah his father he judged Israel 20 years although they came down and the Philistines I guess didn't care they dug through the rubble and found his body All busted up with his eyes burned out of his head. But they found his body crushed to death under the rocks. Pulled him out and took him home. And buried him and that was the end of Samson. So he had that wonderful quality of the undefinable mysterious man who trusts in God. And lives by the power of God. But he frittered it away. Through carelessness. And through a careless living. And uh, he, 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 like he said. He's almost naive. Like didn't you get that he was trying to destroy you? He always thought that God would be with him whenever he felt like it. It's not whenever you feel like it that God's with you. Okay. That's when God says, "I'll be with you." It's a difference. Right? So, well, you mean God's going to abandon me? Not unless you abandon Him. If you stick with Him, He'll be faithful to you. Right? God says, "I'm always faithful to people who are faithful to Me." So, Samson's uh, story is a is a warning. And boy, you can go a long way down just in a short time. Samson went a long way down. But he came back up in the end. And he killed more Philistines that day than he had all the rest of his life. And so his job was to remember he was born to begin the deliverance of the Philistines is what the angel came and said to his parents. He's going to come. He's going to begin to deliver them from the Philistines. Well, you knock their temple down. You kill, you know, thousands of them and uh, rip the gates off the main city. Yeah, you've kind of put a real thorn in their side. you got to give him that. <laughs> Anointed by God, he did that. But he lost the anointing for a while. He got it back by confessing. And he finally saw through his blind eyes what he had done. My friends, don't wait until you're blind. Until your eyes are blind and you can't see. Don't do that. Look with the eyes of your spirit. It's your eyes of your spirit where you're looking at God. You want to know what about God? I need to know about God. And so you make sure uh, you're always thinking about what God's thinking about doing what he wants you to do. And you can trust him to be with you when you need it. All right, that's the story of Samson. Fun, exciting story. A strange twist at the end. But very educational for people who really want to know what it is to be a spirit-filled person. All right, thank you.